Welcome to Radioactive Summer Break on KRCL. I'm Laura Jones, and I've got an hour of community amplified and music discovery. Tonight I'll be checking in with two nonprofits in the community. Myra Sedano of Comunidades Unidas has an update on the nonprofit's work empowering the Latino community and building healthy and united families. She'll talk with me about immigration reform, COVID outreach, and voting rights, plus how you can get involved. Fanny Blauer of Artes de Mexico in Utah, a nonprofit that promotes the appreciation of Mexican art and culture in the state, is also going to be on the show with me this evening. Fanny has several events and workshops in the next few weeks, and I'll pass the microphone to her to share the details. But we're going to start with her pick for our Songs of Summer playlist. And Natalia Lafercade. So what song by Natalia would you like to add to our Songs of Summer playlist? Okay, so Natalia sings a beautiful song that I identified very much with the, with the lyrics, and it's called Derecho de Nacimiento, The Right to Be Born. And it's a very social justice-oriented song that talks about as you're born, you have all these possibilities to raise your voice. So it's called Derecho de Nacimiento. Who would you like to dedicate that to? Be the DJ and send it out. I want to dedicate that to many voices of our community who, I'm sorry, I get emotional here because I work with many people in the community. And my mission is to give them voice and visibility through our programs. I really want to make a point that our community is very rich in stories and, and, and sharing their knowledge and the appreciation of our cultures. And when you give an opportunity to these people, you are giving them the right they have as they were born, that as they have been born. So I have to say, I have a, an autistic daughter who is a teenager, uh, also a big advocate for the LGBTB community as an autistic uh, girl. And, and she's bilingual. And this song is, has been such a strength for her to to advocate for herself as an autistic and also an advocate for the LGBT community. You got it, Fanny. Songs of Summer on KRCL. This is the Radioactive Summer Break. I'm Laura Jones. While community co-hosts have the summer off, I'm still passing the microphone to folks in the community, like Fanny Blauer, Executive Director of Artes de Mexico and Utah. Artes de Mexico and Utah is a nonprofit organization whose mission is to uh, the, create a space for appreciation and creation of art through cultural connections and through the appreciation of the perspectives of our community. We believe that art in all its expressions is a pathway to reflect in our history, in our present and our future. You have several great events coming up in August, and I wanted to touch upon all of them, but the broader conversation that you're trying to have. So coming up, you've got Indigenous Perspectives on Women and Fertility. You have an art contest. There's programming at the Arts Festival. And then one of my favorites I'm really looking forward to is in collaboration with artist Jorge Rojas at the Kimball Art Center. There's Born of Corn, the Soul of the Americas. Such a wealth of programming that you have going on this summer, Fanny. 
I know it's been crazy. I have to say that I'm very thankful to for the partnerships and for the trust of our partnerships as we create these programs. Uh, we have been expanding. Uh, it's been a difficult time, you know, financially because uh, I'm the only person on board uh, as a paid employee for Artes de Mexico. But it's still the strength of our, of our programming is the partnerships that we create with the University of Utah, with the community and many others. Well, we spoke with artist Jorge Rojas a week or so back, and I got really excited to hear about what's coming up. So let's dive in to this exhibit that's happening up at the Kimball Arts Center that the public is invi- invited to help in large part to, to make, but at the center of it is this notion of corn is the soul of the Americas. Give us a primer on corn and the Hispanic Latin culture uh, history, yes. as well as, you know, current times. Yes. Yes. So um, we are collaborating with Jorge Rojas in this project. Uh, he has been working with corn for many, many, many years. And Artes de Mexico in Utah has been collaborating with him in different projects. This is, I think, the the second time that we actually work with him under this concept of corn. Uh, I am the creator of of a project called Born From Corn, which is now a major project for Artes de Mexico in Utah. And the reason why we created this project is to, to acknowledge and recognize the value of our indigenous foods. Uh, We know that corn is indigenous to the Americas uh, and corn is sacred still for many cultures. For our living cultures in Mexico, the Maya and the Aztec, corn is relevant not only as food, but as culture and identity and sustainable practices. We have collaborated also with Wasatch Community Gardens, who provides the spaces. And in fact, this morning we were there um, teaching about milpa. The milpa, what is the concept that in the United States is known as the three sisters. And what we're doing with this is acknowledging those foods. The concept of what is our cultural legacy to the foods? How do we identify with foods? What is what we eat and how we become what we eat? And when we acknowledge the foods from the seed, the transformation of respect to respect to nature changes. We, we acknowledge our native foods because we also acknowledge our people and our identity. On August 4th at the Kimball Arts Center, there's an evening planned around Born from Corn, the Soul of the Americas. And you and Jorge will be taking part, as well as Francie Taylor from the American Indian Resource Center at the University of Utah. Another opportunity to come together as a community and talk further about this. Yes, we. Uh, the reason why we are incorporating these, these voices is I am going to give a presentation about what corn is and what this concept of the three sisters of Milpa is in our societies and as part of our living traditions. Uh, But more importantly is that part of our mission is to create these historical parallels and how we interpret history and our traditions. When we talk about corn and when we talk about our native foods, there's no borders. Mm. The, the, The celebration of our native foods goes from North to South America, right? And then 
we celebrate the foods, we acknowledge our foods, we we consider our foods such as corn sacred. And these are practices that are not, not only relevant and, and living traditions for people in Mexico, but in Central America and South America and in North America. So we are including the voice of Francie Taylor because she's going to provide an amazing perspective of how we connect with the value and acknowledgement of the cultural legacy of corn. You hold a certification of an anthropology of art diploma from the Center for Research and Advanced Studies of Social Anthropology. Um, one of the things that I'm guessing you're going to be drawing out in this presentation is corn in the creation stories of so many different cultures. Exactly. And we utilize, this is where my, you know, my expertise comes as I have done these certifications is I have learned to utilize art to reflect in our history or past and present. And art really is this form of expression to, to depict who we are. So in this presentation that I'm going to give, it's a series of images, classic and contemporary images that depict real, the real scenery of where corn is present in our cultures. And one, some of the pictures, for example, I can mention are photographs of murals in Mexico and here in the United States where corn is the main object of identity as we claim this indigenous identity through our foods. Let's talk about some of the other things you have going on this summer and what's in store on August 10th. So we have partnered for a third time with the Museum of Fine Art with a series of classes for this summer. The first class was about chocolate and the second one will be about indigenous perspectives on women and fertility. What we are doing with the museum is that we know that the museum owns a set of collections of objects that represent the cultures of, of Mexico and other cultures. When we talk about women and fertility, the museum owns two pieces from the Nayarit region, is the northern, the northwest side of Mexico, and uh, and why women? Why would those objects? What would those objects represent in our history, and why are they relevant now? Why is that our ancestors will dedicate time and effort to build? a statue or a figurine that represents women and how is that connected with the cosmos? So in our indigenous uh, views, we know that at least in the creation of the mythology of the Aztec creation, for example, uh, we know that the creator is a woman, is Cuatlicue. You know, it is, a, it is her who gives life to everything that surrounds us. And it is the concept of women who gives life to the cosmos. So as we have evolved in a patriarchal society, we tend to um, identify that life comes from the male gender and how that affects our behavior and our acceptance as women to ourselves. We think of, uh, in, we tend to think of woman, in my opinion, as a, as a, a, only from the biological perspective, right? We are here to be mothers and to, and to give birth. But to give birth is many things. When you look at women uh, from different perspectives, we give birth to nature, we give birth to every seed. You know, you identify vegetables from female to males. This morning we were talking about zucchini blossoms and how you can identify which one is the one that is giving the fruit, right? 
So it goes beyond this patriarchal uh, aspect of understanding life and understanding and respecting women beyond just the biological aspect. Now, this one is really accessible as uh, it's on Zoom. Folks just need to pre-register. We'll put a link in tonight's show notes. And then you have an art contest going on, but you're also doing things at the Utah Arts Festival coming up at the end of August. Tell us about that. Yes, so we have, uh, uh, for the third consecutive year, we have lounge or uh, art, visual arts contest called Nuestras Raices. This year we have partnered with the Consulate of Mexico. Uh, their uh, art contest is called Latin Arte. So we basically merge the name Latin Arte, Nuestras Raices, Our Roots. And we are inviting people who identify as, as uh, Latin or Hispanic to reflect through their art, the creation of art on what it means to be a Latin American and any aspect of art. You know, it can be through uh, painting, sculpture, photography, graphical. Um, so, so, and the deadline is on August 13th. Now the Utah Arts Festival, uh, we're very pleased to say that I've been working with the director to include the voices and perspectives of, of our poetry uh, winners in Spanish. Uh, they Are you have, talking about the Sor Juana Prize? Is that the Sor Juana the, okay. Prize? Yes. So every year we name eight winners, and two years ago we were able to perform. To I was able to invite some of the winners. They had an amazing time. I think this is a great opportunity for our winners to give them visibility and to express uh, their poetry in their language. So this year we are going to do it again. Uh, we will be they. They will be performing on August 28th, starting at noon, uh, and they will have the opportunity to perform, to recite their poetry in Spanish and English if they want to. And we have uh, invited eight of the winners, and they are very, very happy, mostly students and adults, uh, but mostly students of, of uh, teenage, from teenagers to young adults who write poetry that really is inspired in their identity and sense of belonging. Well, Fanny, so much great programming that Artes de Mexico and Utah is bringing to the community this summer. So as we close, what is it that you can, what is it that the community can do for Artes de Mexico and Utah? As you said, it's been a tough year, well, more than year given COVID. Yes, we, uh, I mean, it's interesting. COVID has taught us so many things. And one of those is to innovate. And I think we are right there. It's interesting because with COVID, I feel like we gain even more visibility and more trust in, in our partnerships. And so, you know, support us by following on our events, in uh, passing the voice and inviting, inviting the community to come to our events. Uh, if you want to become involved, send us an email. We always need volunteers uh, and donate. <laughs> What's the best way to get in touch? You can go to our website, which is www.artesmexut.org. And we are very active in Instagram and Facebook. Most of our followers uh, uh, send us notes through those two social media venues. Fanny, thank you so much. Looking forward to all you have coming up in the next month with Artists in Mexico and Utah. 
and your programming with Jorge Rojas and the Kimball Arts Center and the Utah Arts Festival is just so much. Thank you. Thank you for always giving us a space and an opportunity. Fanny Blauer of Artists in Mexico in Utah. Check tonight's show notes for links to the nonprofit and all the great events they have coming up. You're listening to the Radioactive Summer Break on KRCL. I'm Laura Jones, executive producer, and tonight, Comunidades Unidas, a nonprofit working to empower the Latino community. From immigration reform to accessing health care, voting rights to COVID vaccinations. To find out how they're faring this summer, I zoomed a conversation with Executive Director Myra Sedano. Our mission is to empower the Latinx community to recognize their own potential and be a positive force for change in the larger community. All right, let's talk about what Comunidades Unidas is up to this summer. And we spoke about a month ago in relation to a fast for immigration. So where do things stand? Because I feel like the whole DACA and immigration reform has kind of fallen off the national radar as the Biden administration and Congress fight over an infrastructure bill, not to mention voting rights legislation. Yeah, so uh, we completed the FAST. Um, uh, We were privileged enough to have uh, some local leaders um, with us when we broke the FAST. We invited them to to come join us for dinner, but also um, we wanted them to help us um, elevate the message around the importance and the urgency for immigration reform. Um, After that, uh, we continue to do a lot of noise. Uh, We did a a press conference with other um, leaders uh, just to emphasize once again the urgency to bring some kind of relief for essential workers, TPS holders, um, DACA recipients, um, and um, farm workers. So um, right now we're doing everything in our hands uh, to once again elevate the stories of essential workers, especially um, immigrant essential workers here in our state that have showed up for so many of us and continue to show up. So we have all of our needs met. And once again, um, many of of them are still fearing um, not only that they will get um, COVID, but also they fear that they might be deported. So it's important for us as a community, as a nation to show support and to really uh, elevate their stories and show the need for immigration reform. For some of us, this fight has been going on for more than 20 years. Uh, There are so many families that are exhausted. There are so many families out there that really need um, a path for citizenship more than ever. You have a petition out there to urge Senator Romney to pass immigration reform. And one of the things you say in the language of your, your petition is that thanks to immigrant essential workers, Utah's crops get picked, offices and houses get cleaned, the grass gets mowed, the buildings get built, restaurants are getting their food served, and constituents, constituents are getting vaccinated thanks in no small part to immigrant essential workers. That's very true. Um, and well, you, something you guys wrote it. So, <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's in our heart. And, and in all honesty, we, we have a lot of community members that are sharing their stories. Uh, you know, it was very hard uh, breaking that, you know, once again, uh, many of us got the privilege to uh, work from home for months, for over a year. But then let, let, let's think about those that were out there, right? Those that were uh, working for us, protecting us. And, and in all honesty, uh, you know, we are excited exhausted. We are tired. I think that now it's a crucial moment to really uh, bring some kind of relief, especially for essential workers. And again, the data that you have helped collect or, or amplify is that 
Immigrants are vital to the state of Utah. Approximately 106,000 undocumented immigrants live in Utah. That's about 40% of Utah's immigrant population. So for folks that think, oh, that's other states. No, these issues are crucial to people here in this state, Myra. Yeah, very crucial. Um, And, um, you know, our you know, immigrants, I'm an immigrant, Uh, I'm a former undocumented immigrant, and um, we are, they are, we are everywhere, Uh, you know, we're part of the churches that you all visit, we're part of the stores that you visit, we're part of the schools that your children, your grandchildren are part of, we're part of your communities, we're part of this, uh, the fabric of this nation, and I think I can't emphasize enough how much we need a pathway for citizenship, especially now, now that a lot of things Things um, are, um, you know, we were we're still in crisis, and there are so many things that um, you know our families don't have access to. And I think it's important to bring immigration relief. And in all honesty, um, it would also help the economy. Uh, there are so many things that are happening right now. There are so many of us that are looking for employees. There are just so many things that are happening. And in reality, I think that uh, two three weeks ago, someone asked me, "What do you think is the solution for all of this?" And in all honesty, if we have the numbers. Um, I'm sure that immigration reform uh, reform will uh, boost our economy. I'm sure that it's one of the solutions that we need for this economic crisis and everything else that is happening with employees, employers. I mean, this is it. There are at least four pieces of legislation at the federal level that are just sitting there waiting for action by Congress. Can you uh, briefly list those for us? Yeah, uh, one of them, or uh, we have, well, there are a variety of them that address the specific populations or groups. There is one, obviously, uh, around the DREAM Act. There is another one very specific to farm workers. Uh, but the one that we're really pushing is a combination of all. I think it's important that, um, you know, for those of us that have been in the fight for immigration reform, uh, we're really doing our best. Um, and we will continue uh, to push for the best bill that's out there, the one that would actually um bring relief for the majority of immigrants. So um, I know that there are so many things that are changing every single day. Um, uh, But once again, I think that the most important thing at this point is that uh, everyone that's listening, we need your help and we need you to call um, our congressman, specifically uh, Senator Mitt Romney. We really need him to take action. He is a leader and we know that he has a lot of power and we really need him to show support for immigrant essential workers not only from Utah, but from all over the nation. There's the Essential Workers Act and especially the U.S. Citizenship Act of 2021 that uh, in no small part could end the separation of families of differing immigration statuses. And I was thinking pre-COVID that Catholic Community Services was getting ready to take many children who have been separated from their parents at the border. Do you, with all the work that you do in the Latinx community on health issues, have you heard what's going on with kids at the border who are are being shipped to different parts of the United States? Yeah, uh, we constantly get calls and or emails, um, either from uh, different groups and or agencies uh, that work directly with families uh, at the border. And um, in all honesty, I know that uh, other partner agencies like uh, CCS and other um, immigrant rights orgs uh, are able to help them and represent them legally. Um, Comunidades Unidas is able to connect them with other services like health services um, and or other basic needs like food um, and, you know, so many different 
different elements and things that uh, a family needs when they're first immigrating to the USA and obviously establishing into a new community. You do a lot of work around healthcare, making sure people know what resources are available and connecting them there. And we're also hearing about the spike. Um, we're back to you know, trending upward with COVID in 22 of 29 Utah counties. Uh, so what is happening with CU and getting folks vaccinated in the Lat in the Latino community? I'm very proud to, to say that Comunidades Unidas was the first nonprofit to partner with uh, the department. Well, it, at that time, it was the University of Utah to do uh, uh, COVID testing for, very specifically for the immigrant community. We were also the first one to do uh, testing for our Latinx community. And we continued uh, that uh, for quite some time. We are getting ready to do uh, one last push uh, for vaccination efforts. And, uh, you know, we're constantly bringing different experts and we're doing uh, a lot of different uh, educational videos. I think it's, it's super important to ensure that our families, our youth, our, our, our elderly, right, that are getting vaccinated. I think uh, the message that we're driving is that we are responsible for our own health, but, uh, you know, we're also want to ensure that those that might not have transportation and those uh, that depend on some of us, uh, that we take that responsibility to, you know, we noticed that they were, um, you know, especially in the immigrant community, there are some elders, right, that wanted to get vaccinated, but didn't have transportation. So we were really uh, asking their, their sons, their, their daughters, their children, grandchildren to really help them and um, get them to one of our vaccination events. So um, right now we're doing a push to get our youth vaccinated, uh, especially now that we're getting ready to go back to school. So we have a series of events for that. Where can people find the dates? I'm looking at your Facebook page and I see that one is coming up in collaboration with the um, Mexican consulate here on August 6th. Yeah, they can call our number. Um, they can also send us a private message through Facebook and our number is 801-487-4143. Once again, it's 801-487-4143. And what's your website? It, that is www.cuutah.org. And lastly, Mayra, I know that you do a lot of work around voting in particular, uh, making sure people know what their rights are and how to access the ballot box. Yes, and I think it's important to remind everyone, especially uh, those that, uh, you know, I, and I, we do say that it's a privilege because once again, working with so many other families and individuals that don't have the right to vote, uh, you know, we take that as a privilege. Um, you know, if you have the privilege to vote, uh, and if you got your ballot, make sure that you, uh, that you send it back. It's important that we make our voices heard. And obviously, it is uh, time uh, for many of us, especially those that live in uh, cities and or um, communities that actually, um, you know, that, that received the ballot. Now is the time to send it back. So yep. make sure that you're voting for yourself. It's primary election season, folks. I, I was just, as we're talking, flipping through the website, making sure I wasn't missing anything to amplify with Communities United. But you have an open call to be part of the team and work with folks to get them registered to vote. 
Yes, yes, yes. And uh, we also want to uh, encourage anyone that is ready to get involved with us, please uh, give us a call, send us an email. Uh, we're always looking for uh, people that are fired up about immigrant rights and Comunidades Unidas is the right place. So please uh, get involved, uh, donate if you can. Um, I think now is, is the time to once again get re-energized, especially around immigrant rights and access to health. So I do want to extend that invitation for everyone that's listening. And a stat I just gleaned from your website too, there are 158,000 Latinx eligible, eligible to vote in Utah. That's a huge voting block. It is, it is. And, we, and we've worked so hard to get a lot of folks registered. And I think it's important also to just to, you know, send them a reminder and let them know that, hey, we are in primary season. So let's get our, um, our voices heard. Myra Sedano of Comunidades Unidas. Check tonight's show notes for a link to the nonprofit. Well, that's our show. I'm Laura Jones. This has been the Radioactive Summer Break. Coming up at 7 o'clock, it's Democracy Now! Thursday night, Psych at 8, The Dirty Boulevard at 10.30, I Don't Sound Like Nobody at 1, Illustrated Blues at 3, and John Florence starting your brand new day at 6 a.m. I'm going to get on out of here with something from Jason Isbell and the 400 unit We'll be rocking Red Butte tomorrow night, folks. This is Hope the High Road on KRCL 90.9.